And it doesn't get much bigger than this. It is the opening 2018 at the Star in Frisco, Texas. The top high school football players all find their way to one of the greatest stadiums in all of high school football, really all of football across the country. That's right, it's the opening. That means there were 12 regionals. They've all descended here, the top 162 high school football players. I'm Yogi Roth, joined by Trent Dilfer, head coach of the Elite 11, former Super Bowl winning quarterback as well. Trent, this is big. For high school players, it doesn't get much larger than this. You've been around the Elite 11 for eight years now. You've been on big stages in football. What makes this place and this event so unique? I think the process, the journey these kids go on, they get to go to football heaven here at the start of Frisco, Texas. Um, 12 opening regionals like you talked about. They're competitions. They're not just camps. They're not just combines. They go there. They have NFL coaching at each one. They get trained. They get developed. But they also compete to get to this week, the opening 2018. And, and we get to see the best of the best of high school football players. And that's exactly what we have right now. It's the semifinals. If you win, you advance to the finals. If you lose, you go to the consolation semis. This is Boomin versus Hype. Names given by elite <laughs> NFL players. Antonio Brown this year named every team one of the top receivers in the game. When you look at Team Boomin, a lot of talented players. I know you love their starting quarterback. Who are we going to see today? Bo Nix, or as we call him, Bonix. He is a <laughs> top-rated quarterback in the country, an amazing dual threat. Um, but more importantly, he's got command. He's got command of his mind. He's got command of himself. He's got command of the ball. He's got command of this team. He started off rough in the Jamboree setting when they were playing five Jamboree games, threw a couple picks early on, bounced back right away, and has been on fire this entire tournament. He has led booming to this moment. Yeah, and what's been really impressive about him, I think, is he's learned to relax. Yeah. You know, these quarterbacks, they're all so intense. They all dream of coming to this event, being the elite of the MVP. He's clearly in the running for that. Now, on the other side of team hype, well, if you followed college football and you watched the college football championship, you know Tua Tagovailoa. Yes, you do. He how had, can you not? How can you not? <laughs> if you watch the Elite 11, you know Tua Tagovailoa, former MVP. Well, now, if you watch the Elite 11, you're going to meet his younger brother, Taulia, or Leah Tagovailo. What do you love about this young man? I love his composure, his poise. Just like his brother, he's got a no-flinch mentality. Nothing phases this kid. He had a brutal start in the Jamboree, as did his co-quarterback, Dylan Morris. They didn't flinch. In fact, as we talked to the coaching staff and the players, they said, in fact, they were the ones that rallied the team and kept hope and kept um, the entire team from folding. And then both of them came out, led by Leah, and caught fire in the tournament. They went 2-0 um, after having a brutal Jamboree setting. They're in the semifinal now, and it's really because they've been put on the back of Leah and Dylan, two quarterbacks. It's going to be fun because every quarterback playing today feels as though they're in the running for the MVP, and they are. Now, it's not just about the quarterbacks, as we know. So one of our favorite receivers is down on the field, Brian Stump, also one of the pioneers around this event, the opening in its eighth year. B, when you look at the guys who are going to catch the ball from these talented quarterbacks, who stands out among these two teams? I think when you look at Team Booman's roster, they might have the most dynamic receivers of the, the whole event. Uh, Jaden Hasselwood, Georgia commit out of the state of Georgia, is probably the number one receiver in the country, and if he's not, it's a, it's a strong argument in his case. Big, smooth, athletic, he can go up and get it, and when he's motivated, it's really hard to stop him out here. And then they complement that with George Pickens on the other side. 6'5", Auburn commit from Hoover High School in Alabama. Uh, body control for an athlete that size is rare, and, and Bo Nix has been making a lot of plays because of those guys on the outside. I love it. Will B will be with us throughout the entire broadcast. You're going to hear from a lot of unique voices, NFL greats, some of the top college players in the country. You're going to get a couple commits. There's going to be three different broadcasts today. Each game will be in and of itself. This is the first semifinal match. We've got Boomin versus Hype. And what's interesting, Trent, is that for you and I, not only do we get to broadcast this game, but we're also going to be the eyes in the booth. If there's a questionable call, <laughs> we're going to come up to the booth and be able to make the decision here. And evaluating who the MVP of the Elite 11 is and the opening. So we're wearing a lot of hats today, young, as usual. <laughs> yeah, as, as we wouldn't have it any other way. So just for you scoring it at home, the games will be 50 minutes long. There is a running clock. That's two 25-minute halves. There is a quick, there is a quick halftime. And of course, uh, there's some special people that we're excited to come watch, come join us, and maybe even help with some of those decisions if there are questionable calls. How about Andy Dalton in the huddle right now? Yeah. That's a lot of pressure on Team Boomin and offensive coordinator Jordan Palmer, <laughs> having to call plays in front of Andy Dalton. Bring your best stuff. 
What a bummer. And, and I can remember, Brian, you remember finding Andy Dalton, not a heralded recruit when he came out of high school. What, what stood out about him as he made his process? And when you look back at Andy Dalton, Katy High School, he was a winner. Uh, the Katy Tigers are one of the best programs, not only in the state of Texas, uh, but all of the country. And, and Andy went in there and won titles, did the same thing at TCU. So might not be the guy that was 6'5 in high school that was a five-star recruit or a, a high four-star recruit, but he's always been a winner at every level. Yeah, I think it speaks to the fraternity here, Trent, as well. I mean, we've seen so many people. Antonio Brown was the captain who was here in high school and obviously be back here now. He got his... You know, they have jersey retirees, but they get you a jacket, and that's kind of the, the moment when you get celebrated. That happened in the opening ceremonies, and it's been a cast of guys. Justin Rogers, quarterback at TCU a couple years ago, was at the Elite 11, same deal with Andy Dalton. All the alums coming back to see the next crop of talent and, and give back when they can. I think they've had a great experience through the process of the opening journey that they've all gone through. They want to come back and give to the kids as they were kind of um, poured into by the coaching staff and everybody at Nike and student sports. It's been an awesome fraternity, like you said, both on the quarterback side, but the whole athlete side as well. Okay, now, so for a lot of the offense that you're watching, Trent, we talk about it because we know the vernacular, pure progression. Yes. What does that mean for those watching what these quarterbacks should be asked to do against some elite defenders? So for the majority of this playbook, and each coach has their own flavor, is going to be pure progression-based, meaning we're not necessarily reading coverage. Now, coverage is indicator, and you're still looking at the spacing of coverage, but you're tying your feet to your eyes to different people in the route tree. So one receiver is going to be open at 10 yards. Your feet are going to settle after five steps and no hitch. And then when you start to take your first gather, the next receiver should be coming open. Your eyes and your feet should be getting to that guy, so on and so forth. So it's a graduate level way of understanding the passing game. It's also the best way to integrate all these athletes with the quarterbacks in a short amount of time. So we don't neglect coverage. We don't neglect key reads, but those don't take precedent over the progression of the route. Speaking of the progression of the position, an interesting dynamic here for Team Booman. We reference Bo Nix. He will be the lone quarterback that you see. Jaden Daniels had an ankle injury. He has not participated in the seven-on-seven. Seven. So for Bo, on one hand, you might say, oh, I didn't get to split reps. But I think for him, or really a lot of these quarterbacks, they love the opportunity to get consistent reps. You see him take a shot. And a dime. And that's what Bo Nix has done this entire tournament. He has been precise early in drives, getting them in a good field position. And Jordan Palmer's trusted him taking shots from the high scoring area, and he has delivered multiple times. He's gotten the ball over the top of the defense, um, dropped those dimes in there into the end zone. It's been a phenomenal uh, performance by Bo Nix. And on your point, he's had to carry the burden of this team where every other team is at two quarterbacks splitting reps, each guy getting this call at 50 to 65 reps to this point. Bo Nix has, has had over 115 throws at this point, dealing with little fatigue, but still was able to get enough on the ball to get it downfield in the end zone. Doesn't get the two-point conversion, but the touchdown was Jadon Hasselwood. Arguably the top wideout in the country. When he wants to be a monster, he's been exactly that throughout the entire week. Committed to Georgia. So that was a little SEC to SEC action right there. Of course, Bo Nix committed to Auburn. And his receiving core is special. You look at that drive, Trent, went to Ryan Gody, one of the top tight ends in the country. Going to Georgia, also a dual sport athlete. Finishes off to another gifted playmaker. So here we go to the other side of the ball. Leah Tagovailoa. Just like his brother, too, Aaliyah has tremendous velocity on the ball. The ball rotates at a rate that we usually don't see from a high school kid. Tremendous arm strength, and has really grown in his discipline. And like I said, he started off this tournament rough. Um, his composure, his, his poise, his no-flinch mentality has allowed him to really rebound. And uh, he hasn't backed down. He's still willing to put the ball in tight windows like you saw in the first play of this drive. We gave the quarterbacks a stat at the Elite 11 in Los Angeles, and the process went from 12 regionals for the quarterbacks to the top 24 high school quarterbacks in LA to the top 12 here. And you told them a stat that 70% 
the throws in the NFL last year that were completed were 10 yards or less. And you saw the eyes open up really big for guys that are used to taking shots down the field. Yeah, for everybody that's grown up in this old school mentality of what quarterback play is, big, strong, big arm, those are the things that were valued the most. The game has really changed. It's, it's become a wider, more spread out game, innovation of offense. Really the game now is about processing and precision. You have to be able to process at a high rate. You see a lot of different defenses. You have to make a lot of decisions and you have to be precise. And I think the greatest thing that's happened to quarterbacking is Tom Brady and what he's done for the last 15 years. He has proven that precision trumps power. And as we now, what it's allowed to have happen at the younger ages is now a lot of different types of quarterback quarterbacks can be successful. We just saw Baker Mayfield, a six-footer, go number one in the NFL draft. That's unprecedented. We're going to see more guys in that six to six-two range that have a chance to play a long time because it's about processing and precision. Three checkdowns, Leah Tagovailoa, and I think it's to, to be noted, Booman, they might have the best player on their roster and Owen Papo, the linebacker, first three-time invitee at the opening, who isn't here today. He had a test to take, and he was absolutely freakish, completely dominant. So you're watching Leah Tagovailoa work in between the hashes, which in college football or high school football is where you can make a lot of hay, and they don't have the top linebacker on their team right now, and Leo Tagovailoa is taking advantage of that work and spacing. And, and for the for the novice, they're going to say, well, those look like easy throws. But the middle of the football field is the hardest place to throw the football. Um, there's more clutter in there. The spacing is different. Usually guys are on the move. Um, it, it is about precision, like I've said. And all these coaches understand with this playbook that really the way to create your best matchups to train the quarterback the best is to work in between those hash marks, um, slice and dice, get that defense frustrated. And then we saw with Bo Nix on the first drive, once they start to cheat, and once they start to crowd, and once they start to try to play those underneath crossing routes, now you have your big boy shots down the field. Oh. <laughs> it's important to That's note. That's a big stop right there. That's right. Booming. The Otago Vailoa tries to check it down. And it's so critical because you have to get not on the 20, but inside the 20 to get an extra set of downs. So you can make big play, chunk play, but you got to break inside the 20, 19 or greater to get another set of downs for an opportunity to score. And we've seen this for a long time, Trent and Brian, where if you don't score and give a team another possession, all of a sudden if this goes up two scores, the way these games go, it's been fun to watch how the quarterbacks have had to respond and the teammates around them, they get a little tighter, do they want the ball more, and how they handle all the dynamics. For whatever reason, these two, when it becomes a two-score game in this format, it's very hard to come back. And it usually comes down to a third and short like we just saw there or a tight red zone play. Really, these games usually get decided by who can actually punch it in once they get inside the five. You'll see a lot of great drives. They'll move the ball effortlessly down the football field. They'll get inside the 10, that tight red zone area, and all of a sudden they can't punch it in. And that's why I think you saw Jordan Palmer take the shot on the first series for Booman. Um, and then right there, we saw the, the hype unable to convert the short yard situation and give an extra possession to Booman. Brian, when we talk about the secondary these guys are facing, usually it's the fastest, most explosive they've seen. What do you notice around the country in terms of guys competing to get here at those position groups and specifically today to hype, which is on the defense right now? Size is one thing. The defensive backs are getting bigger, more athletic. The other thing is multi-positional players. Guys just aren't focusing on cornerback in high school. Uh, they're usually an offensive player as well, sometimes a running back, slot receiver, and even sometimes a quarterback. Uh, so there's versatile athletes that really, once they get into the secondary in college, start focusing on that position. Uh, we, we've all talked about it at the high school level for a long time. A lot of high school coaches are putting their best athlete at the quarterback position, and that translates very well to move to the defensive side in college because you know so much about the game on both sides of the ball. Check down, and important to know it at home. A, a big rule here, Trent, is the time. A lot of times in seven on seven around the country, it's 3.75 seconds. Four seconds, many places, becomes a chuck and, chuck and duck in a very dangerous game. I think we've all agreed that the quicker the ball comes out of the quarterback's hands, the safer this format is. It's 3-5 right now. Um, hard to make it much less than that. 
um, because then it becomes, you know, 10-yard and under game. But I think 3-5 has made it safer. It forces the quarterbacks to process at a high level. We're not getting those late kind of chuck and duck throws in the middle of the football field where injuries happen. So it, it's been a good format for this. I would encourage all the leagues around the country to get rid of that four-second thing, make the game safer, get it to the 3-5, the 3-2-5 realm, uh, where now it's, it's more like a real football game. And obviously, like I've said four times already, it's a much safer game. Here we are at the star in Frisco, Trent Dilfer, Brian Stump down on the field, president of the opening and Elite 11. I'm Yogi Roth, your host, You're joined by a cast of characters. This is the first of two semifinal matchups, two 25-minute halves. This is Team Boomin versus Team Hype. Boomin has the rock, led by Bo Nix at quarterback. Auburn commit. He'll be the lone quarterback on that team you'll see today. And that's a nice play right there. Nice job by that tight end, settling, not just letting his momentum carry him too far to the sideline. There was a defender waiting for him, Bo Nix, also stopping him with the football. Something we talked a lot about, a lot to, to these quarterbacks, is, is throwing guys open and also protecting them. You can locate the ball to protect a receiver. You can also locate a ball to throw a guy open in tight coverage. You saw a great example of that right there with Bo Nix. And Ryland Goaty, it's fun to watch these tight ends. I, I truly think, Trent, that position is going to make a huge comeback in college football this year. We see it in high school a couple years early all the time. And there's some tight ends here, and you're going to be able to see them throughout the day that are just freaky athletes. They're big, they're physical, they can catch the multi-sports. Oh, oh. Nice effort. I agree, Yogi. I think the tight end position has to come back, and they got to get them putting their hand in the dirt. Uh, for so long, you know, let's say the last 10 years, we've seen these guys split out. They've been spread players, and what the NFL has really suffered because of these are NFL bodies we're watching in high school for these tight ends. Uh, if developed properly, they can have long, rich careers in the National Football League. you got to get their hand in the dirt. you got to teach them to play low-hat football, block, um, be, a, be a true weapon in the blocking game. And this is just going to create more opportunities for them to gash defenses in the passing game. And you know it as well as anybody. That individual is always a nice guy, big body to go find when things are getting a little hectic. We call him our bestie. <laughs> it's kind of fun to be in this facility, too. Here we are. This is exactly where the Dallas Cowboys practice. You walk through the facility. We'll show you that around halftime. Get a little inside look at in the walls here, but there's a big life-size, well, way more, way larger than life-size poster of Jason Witten. And you see yep. it on your way into the stadium and out, and, you know, won the Humanitarian of the Year Award, and here you go, here's the star in Texas. I mean, look at that. Facility. I could go to work there every day. Yeah. I'm just saying right now, I could easily go to work there every day. First year that the opening makes its way to this part of the country, usually on Nike's campus, and th this is magic because you're not just in a great facility, but this is where the greats come. And these kids have had the experience to live kind of a professional week. Those are the meeting rooms they've had meetings in. They've had uh, training table at the Cowboys training table. They've got to walk around and smell and feel and touch what, if, what it's like to be a Cowboy. They've been treated as professionals by our staff. Um, it's really been a unique experience for uh, the student athletes hat goes off to Brian Stump, Brian Stump and Matt James, the the pioneers of this uh, event and and getting it here to the Star in Frisco, Texas. And uh, every kid I've talked to has kind of been like they've been to Disneyland. They they can't <laughs> believe what they've they've had a chance to compete and be a part of. Oh oh, oh. my! Bo Nix ripping fire in the back of the end zone just a little bit. It got on the receiver a little bit too quick. Jadon Hasselwood, first touchdown of the semifinals. Oh, I think it got tipped at the last second. Yep, and it's great. You know, throughout the week, the nuancing of the quarterback position is something that we teach, but also teaching the receivers, the pass catchers. So when they're five yards or deeper into the end zone, we're telling the ball's going to be about 11 feet up in the air. you got to go dunk the basketball pretty easy for the majority of these playmakers out of the field. Trajectory just gets tipped a little bit, but showcases the athleticism. All the defenders. It's really been one of the things I've been pleased to see with this group of, of skill players and, and quarterbacks. I made a very clear point early in the week about front end zone throws being eyes or less, receivers bodying up, quarterbacks protecting receivers with the ball, 
not allowing the ball to get deflected and possibly intercepted, and then anything five yards in the end zone or back, it being 10 feet and above, again, protecting from a turnover, but really challenging that back line and getting over defenders. And we have seen uh, multiple touchdowns in the back of the end zone executed exactly like we talked to him early in the week. And we've seen throws in the front of the end zone that have been low and away, protecting the receiver, getting them in to cross the goal line, but also limiting the chance for turnovers. Fourth and goal. Oh, spot throw. And that's something that in this format um, is not going to be highlighted as much, the movement abilities of Bo Nix. But not only is he a great pocket passer, but he has zone read traits. He's very dangerous in the quarterback run game and uh, awesome on the move. His movement abilities, his off-platform throwing right there, you start on the sprint out, um, laser accurate, has tremendous arm strength, and really that kind of quarterback then can buy, him buy himself time and space uh, as he goes to play in the SEC, and then you can threaten the defense because you can get him on the perimeter, and he can challenge line of scrimmage with his feet and his arm. And that's George Pickens. Commit to Auburn on the touchdown. Go for two. Takes a shot in the back of the end zone, but it's been fun, Trent, to watch the development of the receivers. Every receiver here is a freak athlete. They test off the charts. They can do everything with their body. Great catch radius. But the nuancing of a route runner, that's where you can become special. That's where you can play for a long time. That's where you can play early. Uh, earlier this week, they one of the top receivers in the last couple of years of college football. Calvin Ridley came. Got to hang out and talk to the receivers. Deshaun Watson talked to the quarterbacks, but he talked all about the commitment necessary to the craft. And it's the nuancing when it's third and eight, getting nine. And you watch George Pickens. I think he's made that development throughout the entire week. Well, and Calvin was one of those guys when he was there at the opening that you could see had graduate level skills as a route runner. He wasn't just, you know, big, fast, and strong and jumping over guys at the high school level. He was refined in his route running. That's why he was the MVP of the opening. That's why he's gone on to win two national championships and be a first-round pick. So to use that example with these kids, and I made it very clear. I said, I get it. I get it how talented you are. I know what a freak you are. But you will not play this game very long if you just rely on big, fast, and strong. You have to learn the nuance. You have to learn the details. You have to do it exactly the way the coach tells you to do it. You have to create that simpatico relationship with the quarterback. And the, to these two teams, Hype and Booman, those receivers have done that. Now, there are some really talented guys that have been 0-2 barbecue, baby, and they're already changing their flights to get out of here. And a lot of it's because the receivers didn't buy in. And a lot of it's because they did think they could just go out, athlete, the next guy. And what you learn is you just can't do that. And like you said, Pickens and um, these booming receivers, these hype receivers, they've really bought into these coaching staffs, what they've taught them to do. It's made it easier for the quarterbacks. And ultimately, it's why they've been successful. I'll tell you, one of my favorite stories of all my time around this event, 10 years, we've been here both about a decade, was when I asked Calvin, what did you do as a freshman? Because I wanted to play so bad. I went to school, went to training table, went to practice, and I went to sleep every night between 8 and 8.30. As a freshman in college at Alabama, over 70 catches, they win the natty. I mean, let that sink in. And I said, how about your junior year? He goes, about 10, 1030 was the latest I would go to sleep. He took care of his body. And I think when you look at the opening situation here, they, they get so much knowledge from former NFL players like yourself, Willie McGinnis, Bucky Brooks, Curtis Conway, Demarcus uh, Ware. The who's who has shown up. And the consistent message is make the main thing the main thing. Yep. And it's been really fun to watch guys evolve. You see them changing their diet as the week goes on, just trying to gain little insights from college guys like Bryce Love, retired NFL players like yourself, or future stars in the league like Calvin Ridley. I need to listen to my own advice and change my diet because these shirts are getting tight on me. <laughs> uh, you're so true, Yogi. We talked about being pros. Even though they're student athletes and they're still in high school and they're going to go and, and have great collegiate careers, to have that pro mentality mindset where it is a business, it is a job, um, there's a higher level of expectation for, for you than the rest of your teammates. And to be frank with everybody, a lot of these kids do have the physical traits and the makeup to play in the National Football League. And so let's make sure at a young age, we teach them what that journey could look like. And the guys that embrace it again, they're the ones that dominate this event. They're the ones that go and dominate their senior years. Then they go and play early in college and they get the chance to play in the National Football League. And it's really rewarding uh, for this coaching staff to be able to pour into them at a young age and then those kids come back and say, you know what, you taught me this when I was 17 years old uh, and I took it to heart and I changed my patterns and look where I am now.
And I think that's why we have all these counselors come back. And that's why we have NFL players come back. Because they realize that this coaching staff, all positions is as good as it gets in the country. And they truly are kid-centric. It's about the kid. Yeah, they're true seekers. Uh, you, you talk about taking the individual practice time to the game. Bo Nix, two straight checkdowns to Eric Gray. He's committed to Memphis, Trent. Oh, excuse me, he's from Memphis. He's the Gatorade Player of the Year in Tennessee last year. He's got incredible grades. Uh, he can go anywhere that he wants. Uh, but the point is, is we don't often hear about guys from Memphis or, quarter, or players like a corner right now for a team I've committed to Illinois. I mean, there's players from all around the country from a variety of different backgrounds. They all descend upon Frisco for the opening, showcasing a variety of skills. The talent pool is so deep uh, in high school football right now. These are the 162 best, but there's another 100 out there that were evaluated, or 150 that are great prospects and have a chance to be fantastic college and pro football players. Um, the, the opening staff works their tail off. Brian Stump and his crew um, to whittle it down to 162, but we all know there's a bunch of really fantastic football players that didn't get to come to this event also. Yeah, so to reset, here we are at the opening, the semifinals, a.k.a. it's football heaven. Trent Dilfer, Yogi Roth, Brian Stump on the broadcast. Right, other people join us here in the booth. They're down on the sideline. You also hear from a couple high schoolers as they're going to commit throughout the day. It's important to note that there's 12 opening regional events, all free. Get to come, participate, showcase your ability as a high school student athlete. And if you've got the skill set, the acumen, doing it off the field, doing all the right things, you got a chance to get invited to the opening in its eighth year. First year here in Texas, here at Frisco, the Cowboys practice facility. Top 162 student athletes in the country in high school football. There will be an MVP at every position. There will be an Elite 11 MVP. Those all will be announced later on this afternoon. Appreciate you joining us here on YouTube. Yeah, Boomin versus Hype. That's Bo Nix right there. Committed to Auburn, quarterback. Sack. I hold the ball too long. I think in this part of the field, though, I'd rather see that um, than just some careless throw, blind hope throw. Um, we don't like sacks. They're not good. Um, but they're definitely better than the alternative. And that looks like they took that sack. There might have been a penalty in the back end of the end zone. There is a specific set of rules here at the opening, seven-on-seven seven tournament. Of course, there will be a documentary. The NFL Network also online. You see Bo Nix. He's got his mic right there, wired for sound. Some really unique moments have come out over the documentaries trend over the last decade plus. 20th year of the Elite 11. You've been involved for about a decade you think about the journey that you've been on. <laughs> it has been an unbelievable um, passion project. Um, it's been an amazing experience working with you, working the rest with the rest of the staff. It's truly a brotherhood. I think all of us have done this since, uh, you know, at least in my tenure with this group, um, have tried to really not just develop great quarterbacks, give them, give them all the tools necessary to be successful on the football field, but really help them be successful in life. And as I've told them every year, my ultimate goal is to see them grow up and be fantastic husbands and fathers and, and use their football journey to really uh, help them accomplish that. Rolls to his left. Same play to his left that he threw to his right. And look at this drive. I think what Bo Nix and Boomin has done in this drive is um, it speaks a lot to where this position has gone. They've, they've taken one shot. They've primarily worked the middle of the football field. It's been about timing and precision, locating the ball for run after the catch. I would guess that half the yards Boomin has got with this 18-0 lead have come after the ball's been completed. Um, even in a seven-on-seven -seven format, with this, the complexity of this playbook, without just making it a chuck-and-duck, pick-and-stick game, you really see development uh, unfold with all players, not just the quarterback. It makes it a better game, a cleaner game, a safer game. And the, the higher level quarterbacks are trained at to play this type of football, the better state of football we will have in this country. Short on the conversion. George Pickens, his second touchdown of the first half. Trent, you referenced the playbook. 
We're going to see, it looks like a new quarterback, Dylan Morris, for Team Hype. He is committed to the University of Washington. What is this playbook that they get? I mean, there's a variety of definitions to playbook that we see in all of football. There's Bill Walsh, yeah. there's Chip Kelly, there's the opening. De describe this for the listeners. So it's evolved, but it was I built it primarily a combination of the old school West Coast pure progression philosophy, um, working triangle reads, um, run after the catch emphasis, and then added kind of my Norv Turner background where there was a lot of that, the numbering system, the air Coriel system, and kind of blended the two. So it wouldn't just be a dink and dunk and it wouldn't just be a chuck and duck. One of that combination and now over the last eight years really empowered the coach to take the, the basic playbook that I installed eight years ago and then grow it. As long as the principles are the same, as long as the training is the same, they can add their own wrinkles to it. But each quarterback will be challenged, you know, in a short amount of time to learn as many as 15, 20 concepts. And if you take all the formations and motions and shifts that they'll use in the, in the course of the opening, they'll run up to 100 plays, which is pretty phenomenal for a kid that got the book eight days before he came here. I can remember the first year of the Elite 11. And guys so can those quarterbacks. Yeah. I kept them up all night. Yeah, they weren't necessarily prepared as the playbook. But as we see, we meet fans throughout this event here in Frisco at the Star who have watched every clip, everything online. Their dream is to make the Elite 11. They might be 10 years old, and they know to prepare the playbook in their minds, and as to this year's crop of quarterbacks. I think our guys came in really prepared. They really studied and understood what they had to do. Here we are within the last 15 seconds here for Team Hype of the first half. But have you noticed that among the preparation among this group? Well, I, like you said, I think most of these kids have grown up understanding the expectation. Um, understanding that they're going to be asked to um, get a little uncomfortable, learn a lot of information. Um, so when the coaching staff says, hey, we're going to send you a PDF of some concepts, you should probably learn them. They know to learn them. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they get here, they really maximize their time. I mean, our quarterbacks aren't the ones hanging out, playing video games or goofing around. They're, when they're not working in this open environment, they're working in their rooms on their preparation. And again, goes back to that professional mentality, taking care of your business. Yes, this is fun. This is football heaven. It has that Disneyland feel but it's still a work environment. And I think we've taught these quarterbacks to, to be able to enjoy the times to enjoy, but work the majority of the time. Each team allowed one timeout per half. That timeout will not carry over if you do not use it. Hype utilizes a timeout, nine seconds remaining. If they get across the 20 and inside the 20, they will get an untimed down. They have four untimed downs. That's right. A shot. Oh, he's oh. got him. Oh, my goodness. Tell you what I saw there. This is one of the things out there if you're trying to watch this broadcast to learn. That was actually a good throw. Watch the receiver. Receivers have to learn to get their forehead going forward, grind, get to that ball, not look back too early. It slows them down. Those are the little things that are coaching points that we can work with that receiver and get him to run through that ball, not turn his body to the inside of the field and slow himself down. But again, a professional coaching point that I guarantee is being addressed right now by offensive coordinator Alex Brink and the rest of the staff. That was Josh Delgado. Who's a fantastic player. Tremendous young man. IMG Academy, transferred from high school to there. Talked to him earlier this week. He said, you know, I want to feel what it was like to go out of state. What that would feel like for me being a Southern California young man and, and how that would impact me now he's committed to Oregon so he went through that experience and you know high school football is in a different era now you're seeing guys rotate from place to place um, first half a lot of eyes yeah. first time they know it's on television on the internet what did you notice from the two sets of quarterbacks well it wasn't as if Talia played poorly or Dylan there that last series it's precision it's little things and if you talk to any NFL offensive coordinator any uh, offensive background, NFL head coach, the, the top-level college coaches, they will tell you it's its a game of inches. It's about precision. It's about execution. And you saw Bo Nix and Boomin and his receivers on point. It was clean. It was precise. They put up 18. You look at hype, little, you know, a ball a little bit thrown behind versus tight coverage becomes an incompletion, where if it's out here, it's a completion. That last play right there, they're going to have an opportunity to get inside the 20, have four untimed downs. 
uh, possibly make this a ball game. Instead, with the throws maybe six inches too far, the receiver turns his shoulders into the middle of the field too soon, and those little things pile up. And I think that we've seen that through the course of this entire tournament, especially the first half of the semifinals, the guys that do the little things, right? What, what you're saying? Way you do small things. The way you do all things. Um, that translates into wins and losses and success and, and setbacks when it comes to this format. I'll tell you what, if there's one guy that understands how to do the little things, it's Patrick Laird. Cal running back, one of the top players in the entire country. Pac-12 player, came back for senior. I love his story. We're going to bring him in. Pat, come on in, man. Microphone. We got a microphone here, for you. Hop in, hop in. Pat, welcome to the opening. Now, your story is unique. A lot of these players, counselors, they come back to the opening. Right. You weren't necessarily invited to the opening. Mm -hmm. You were a walk-on at Cal. How are you motivated by your high school recruiting process, and what's it like to be here now among the top recruits in the country? Yeah, so, I mean, my story's interesting. It's a lot different from these guys playing out here on the field. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I walked on, and I, I thought I was going to go play, you know, in the Ivy League school back east. That's what my older brother did, and I had a good senior year. And my high school coaches said, hey, we think you could play at a, you know, maybe a power five school. And I said, hey, send my tape out to anyone you think, you know, has a good academic standing and uh, a reputation. And Cal came and said, hey, you can walk on and uh, decided to take the opportunity because good school and then good football. And uh, it's panned out well for me. Patrick, as you're looking at these athletes mm -hmm. and now you've had a very successful career at Cal, um, what do you see that they don't get yet? I know they get big, fast, and strong, right. talented, but what don't they understand that they're going to need to understand when they go and play yeah. in a Power 5 situation? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, so we had these mentoring sessions, yeah. and I told them, you know, I'm in a room with Bryce Love, J.K. Dobbins, and, I'm, you know, I look across the room. I say, hey, Bryce, how much better are you than you were freshman year? And Bryce said, light years. Yeah. I'm so much better than I was freshman year. And so that was the message. Uh, you know, I have some guys on my team that were participants at the opening, or they were big, you know, recruits and a lot more offers than I have or had. And what I did is I got a lot better from my freshman year to my sophomore year, and then my sophomore year to my junior year, and then I had my, you know, my my great season last year. So I tried to impart some wisdom on them, and I told them, you know, you're gonna be, if you work hard, you know, the player you are your freshman year of college or your senior year of high school. If you want to play at the next level or when you get to college and then you want to play in the NFL, you need to become a better player each year and you need to take huge strides. So that was, you know, my main message. And I hope some guys took my advice because I think, uh, you know, some of these guys are talented, but unless you work hard and, you know, you study your playbook and you do the right things, uh, it's not going to work out. Yeah. We're going to name a quarterback, the MVP of the okay. Elite 11. Okay. I think it's safe to say you played with a guy who's pretty talented. And he went by the name of Jared Goff, so right. by the same name. Except yeah. now he's attached with the number one pick overall in the NFL. Yeah. What intangible did you notice about him that you would want to pass on to the high school quarterbacks here? So I wasn't with him for his first year, but I heard stories about you know the jumps that he made. So it's the same thing. And, and Jared was a guy that was watching film and studying his playbook. Um, you know, I think I heard Trent talking earlier about, you know, when everyone's having fun, the quarterbacks are supposed to be in the room studying. And I think that's the type of guy that Jared was. Um, very low key, had a, you know, uh, good, good career and good standing with, you know, studying and being a good teammate. And so I think, you know, for the, the MVPs and the, the participants here, if you want to have success in college, you're going to have to be a leader in the, the homework department of football. I love it. Well, yeah. we appreciate you being a part of this department, yeah. the broadcast. You yeah. can do whatever you want after you graduate. If you mm -hmm. want to come hang out with TV guys like Trent and I, you're more than welcome. But <laughs> I I think I you're can. already better than me. so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't know if I can talk as well as you guys. All right, man. Well, we're looking forward to the season. Can't wait to see you all season long in the Pac-12. Patrick well, I appreciate it. Appreciate Thank it, you for having man. me. Go Bears, man. Go Bears. <laughs> Go Bears, indeed. You know, Trent, what I love about is getting to know these student-athletes as we begin the second half here. Dylan Morris back at quarterback, finished off the first half. But learning oh, 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 and he makes the pick. What's the call on the field, Brian? Officials are going to talk about this one. One guy had incomplete. One guy had an interception. They're coming together over there on the far sideline. Uh-oh. This might be our first opportunity, Yogi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We play officials as well as broadcast partners. And that's Damani Richardson committed to Texas A&M. 
Safe to say A&M is crushing it right now in recruiting. Jimbo Fisher, new head coach. See if the first pick of the semifinals. Are we going to get another view at this, Brian, or has it been ruled an interception? You guys got the replay, put it up on the screen. They're calling incomplete on the field. Here's the Let's replay. Incompletion. Oh, okay. That ball moves on the ground. That is officially an incompletion. I am always going to side on the side of the offense. Side of the offense. <laughs> and I am far enough away from the field they can't come attack me. That's right. Willie McGinnis. Yeah, Willie, try to come get me, big boy. <laughs> Clearly, uh, there's a side of the field that does not agree with us up here in the booth. But we call it we call it pace. Trent plays after critical errors. Oh, takes a shot. Oh yes. Oh, and I think they're calling a sack. I don't think the ball came out of his hand before 3.5 seconds. Wow. That's Garrett Wilson climbing the ladder out of Lake Travis in Austin, committed to Ohio State. And I get to see Garrett play. I live in Austin now. We go to the rival high school. That is a fantastic football player. Austin is full of good football players. There's <laughs> one special football player, and it is Garrett. You know, it's been fun to talk to the staff about him. Uh, Bucky Brooks working with the wide receivers there. They talk about his unselfish mindset, oh. how dialed in he is. Clearly, you reference his playmaking ability. But you, I mean, that's how you bounce back from a potential pick. I mean, he did his job. He went up, he climbed the ladder, he made a play. Uh, he's got that laser focus. He's, he's a pro at 17 years old. This kid is a fantastic kid, a fantastic player. Uh, it's funny, you go to the barber shop on a Saturday morning in Austin, Texas, and I guarantee you he is the centerpiece of every conversation. Wow. High school football in Texas. Okay. Well, looks like we got a little confusion oh, we, going on right here. Oh, oh, what's going on here? You have three Ooh. plays to make a first down. And it's getting heated down there. And the rules are if you take a sack. It's a loss of down. That's right. And if you go three and out, the opponent gets the ball at the 40. Plus 40. Plus yes. 40. So huge swing in momentum. Could have been a pick. Could have been an explosive play inside the 20. But here we go. Booming up 18-0 over team hype. Jordan Palmer, the offensive coordinator, lone quarterback, Bo Nix, Auburn commit. This would be, this is huge for Jordan Palmer, offensive coordinator of Boomin. This would be his first trip to the championship game in his tenure as an opening offensive coordinator. Um, he's had his trials and tribulations in his short journey. Yeah. Um, he takes this very serious. He's done a fantastic job with this team, like we talked about earlier. This can go south quick if you don't gain the respect of uh, all the guys on your squad, and uh, you're helping each one succeed. And I think Jordan really um, takes that to heart. He works really hard with all the positions, not just the quarterback, getting their best. Spreading the ball around is a big thing, uh, and he's got some fantastic kids that have taken a great approach this week. Tim and Ben Barnett on that offensive staff. You got a Yale quarterback. Yeah, smartest guy by far among the staff. staff. Yeah, it's not even close. Can they get inside the 20? Checks it down. Smart. That's just good, smart football. Get the ball inside the 20, get your downs, milk the clock. At this point, a three-score lead is nearly impossible to come back from. If they extend this to four, we're going to see Booman playing for the opening championship in 2018. That was another catch for running back Tyreon Davis, who's going to LSU guys. And uh, Tiger fans have to be fired up because he's a big physical guy, 220 pounds. And I don't think anybody knew he had this kind of acumen in the passing game. He's been a real asset for the Booman offense. He had a chance to sit down with him for a while yesterday, and he's taken in all the tools offered to these young men here at this event. So many things off the field. Another check down. Next pass complete. Variety of guest speakers, Trent. We have Brenda Tracy, brings awareness, sexual and domestic violence, and the power of the jersey these young men have and the voice that they have and how they can end that when they get to back to their high school campus and of course on to college and, and beyond. And I know a huge element for you is making young men, turning them into real men, at least being a part of that process. When we get around all these 162 players, quarterbacks, skill position players, and fun to watch him. 
That's been great. I mean, I think the great thing is the synergy amongst the brand, Nike, um, student sports, um, all these coaches to uh, understand that we're failing these student athletes if all we're doing is making them great football players. Yeah, they all signed a pledge. I'll set the expectation, which means that we are the standard, we are the expectation of what manhood looks like. And it was a really powerful moment we've done in the last couple of years with Alexis Jones with the quarterbacks and her protector movement, her and Brenda come together and educate these student athletes, of course, on the field, but as much as we can off the field. Been a great process. And I thought the neatest thing was after Brenda had addressed the 162, um, that we went out on the field for a training camp type practice that day, and she sat on the bleachers, and so many young men came over and approached her and wanted to know more about her story and wanted to um, have a conversation with her and, and really took to heart what she had talked about uh, in that private setting. That To me, that was one of the signature moments of this week here in Frisco, Texas at the Star. Yeah, it was a, a beautiful moment, great environment to learn, teach, and of course compete. Here we are at the Star in Frisco, Texas. This is where the Dallas Cowboys practice, competes. Also where 10 high schools get to play their games. A little different than our high school fields, Trent. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous, safe to say. Imagine coming in here on a Friday night, just packed, and the band's playing, and the energy's hyped, the juice is rolling. I mean, this place oh, makes me want to put on the pads again. Oh, yeah. A couple drives. Oh, yeah. The soft chin strap that I'd <laughs> still be wearing. Oh, yeah. Gives me one drive. Actually, one play. All I need is one play. That's amazing. Over 12,000 fans fit this beautiful stadium. They got boxing events, the Dallas Rattlers lacrosse team play here the cowboys of course high school football and the opening football heaven here we are on the red zone bo nicks can they score potentially oh step on the throat play right here took the words right out of my mouth brother look at pickens down here getting him isolated inside and a man too high boom oh i think oh, oh! <laughs> Safe to say that play just put Booming into the championship game of the 2018 opening. Going to be impossible to come back. Just not enough drives to come back from a four-score lead in this format. Bo Nix has been phenomenal once again, uh, really leading this MVP race um, because of how he responded to some early adversity in the Jamboree setting uh, and then has really put this team on his back, carrying the load physically, which I don't want to diminished to throw this many balls to play this many reps in this format he is fatigued his arm is tired his leg is tired um, emotionally he is drained yet he is digging deep into the reservoir both reservoir both physically and mentally to carry this booming team to the championship game love it and the receiver was dominic blaylock brian i know you're a huge fan of this wide receiver out of marietta georgia a georgia commit dive into this young man a little bit for us at Walton High School, Dominic Blaylock, son of former NBA point guard Mookie Blaylock. He's a football player. A lot of these guys do seven on seven the whole offseason. Dominic is very selective. He's coming off an ankle injury at the end of the year. Uh, but you watch his tape, he does a little bit of everything. A lot of Wildcat quarterback, actually. He's a physical prospect, six foot, about 195 pounds, uses his body very well. And, and the assortment of guys that Bo talks, has to throw, uh, we talked about it beforehand, is, is just uh, it's really tough for this team high defense to stop right now. We're kind of looking at the SEC West to a large degree. Um, the SEC in general is Blaylock going to UGA. Uh, talking to his staff, a lot of guys compared him to Christian Kirk. And I know, Brian, you're a big Ooh, fan of him. I'm a big Christian Kirk fan. You are as well. He was awesome in this setting. They, they really talked about his thirst to learn and the questions that he asked. And I think so often these top players are receiving inquiries from people who are interviewing him. Look at the little delay, the throwback. Oh, JP pulling one out. Did. Yes. And he's fired and up. Look at the excitement. <laughs> he knew he dialed up a ball play right there. And that's Hasselwood. He'll sell it, as will Bo Nix. Roll to his right, sprint out. We see this one all the time oh. from up top. But when you're on the field, it's so hard to see. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's so It's a hard th throw, too, because your momentum is going right. you got to really load that back leg. you got to pick up the receiver's angle because he's dipped inside. That's a beautiful throw by Bo Nix. Jadon Hasselwood at the first touchdown of the semifinals. Dominic Blaylock, another talented receiver. George Pickens, two touchdowns. Safe to say the weaponry 
is pretty impressive for Jordan Palmer. And back is Lua Tagovailoa. Now, keep in mind, they lose here unless they make some free comeback. We've seen crazy things happen here at the opening. They're not coming back, bro. Fair. <laughs> I would agree. Here's the thing, though, guys. They can have a chance to come back yes. to the loser's bracket and see Boomin again in two games. Yes. So we've seen that before as well, where teams lose, and then they get the rematch. And the, uh, the, the, the team that won the first one is a little overconfident sometimes. And that's a great point, Brian, because this team, Team Hype, will lose, but they'll get to rest during the next semifinal matchup and play the winner of that game who will not get to rest and have to go play uh, with just about a few minute break. We'll see if fatigue is a factor. Watch Leah throw football and, and all these young men from Hawaii. Uh, Vinny Pass is the coach that trains a lot of these guys over in Hawaii and he does a phenomenal job. Um, teaching these kids how to throw, but more importantly, teach them how to act. Yeah. Teach them how to be young men. Marcus Mariota, uh, Tua, Leah, there's been others. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, um, who, by the way, is just a phenomenal football player at UCF. Um, these guys come and have great college careers because not only are they great throwers of the football, but they're great young men and have a great amount of poise, composure, and, and great leadership qualities as well. Couldn't agree more, and Jadon Hill, big pick out of Madison, Alabama. A running clock here inside 15 minutes. But you're right, I mean, there's something special that continues to come out of the state of Hawaii. Super special. We've been around these young men uh, as Elite 11 participants, um, opening participants, and then counselors. Mackenzie coming and being a counselor for us at Elite 11 finals. and. Um, as impressed with those young men as, as any young men I've got to meet. Um, and to see their selflessness, how they approach the team first mentality. Um, things like Leah's having a rough day here, but you're not gonna see any anything but positivity come out of his body. He's gonna be communicating like he is right now with the other players, you know, understanding they have a chance to bounce back and get back to the championship game through the consolation bracket. But it's just a real testament to how these young men are raised. And it's a great point, Trent. For the quarterbacks, look at about a thousand quarterbacks. Brian Stump. Oh, and that, that is a dime. Another no, no, no. Send it up. Get ready send for it a up. replay on this, guys. If you can pull it up, let's take a look. At this let's one. send this one up top. And that's Jadon Hasselwood, arguably the top receiver in the country. Rip here shot. Here we go. It's only high school rules here. Catch. Touchdown. Ah. Right leg was down. Oh, oh Brian, Coach, I don't know me. about that. I don't know. Right leg, look at right, right. Does he have the ball? Freeze, now. His foot is on the ground, possession, touchdown. Well, well, the rule, the college football rule is heel toe in a play like this. Let's take another look at it. All right, let's stick with, is his heel off? I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's not full, fully catch. This is a play that happened Arizona State, Oregon, two years ago. If he has the ball and drags that right foot, I think this is the better angle. I think you're right, Yogi. I think this is an incompletion. Yeah. Incomplete. It was hard. That angle was so far out, but it looked like the ball might have been moving just a little bit before that right foot came up. A beautiful pass. Great play, clearly dynamic play. You know, a lot of times you teach receivers as you get to the end line to stutter just a hair if you can. It's so hard to slow it down. Same thing on the sideline. Easier for you because you're running four six five. He's running four, four three four, four three, three five. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And the game continues inside 12 minutes. So Trent, I want to talk about the Elite 11. Well, there's a thousand quarterbacks, roughly. Brian Stumpf, Joey Roberts, director of scouting, Matt James, they staff, travels the country. They look at quarterbacks from all over the land. They all believe they have an opportunity to come. And some kids are not recruited before they get here, like Brian Maurer. Some men don't have a lot of offers. We've seen that happen before. And then we watch them and evol evaluate them. What's the process of the evaluation? And then how do we break down, share with the audience of naming the Elite 11 and ultimately the MVP? Well, one, it's evolved. Um, obviously, Brian's been doing this for 20 years. Joey's expertise, your involvement, Matt James has been doing it for 20 years. Um, but looking at these young men 
and really looking at them, how they competed as juniors in high school, putting the heavy uh, emphasis on their high school tape because that's in pads, that's in the systems they know, that's with their, their dudes back home and their coaching staff. So that's very important. And 25%, their physical traits. You know, are they, do they have transferable traits to dominate the next level and possibly play? Um, uh, we're very, very diligent in how we scout them. Um, I would argue to say that Brian Stuff, Matt James, Joey Roberts, three best quarterback evaluators in all of grassroots sports, um, they're going to get you the right type of guy and the guy with the correct, the right type of traits. Um, and then after all that, we have the best staff in all of grassroots football to train them, develop them. And like we said, it's more than just being a great quarterback. It's about being a productive and um, big time influencer in life. I've just got to play there, guys. That was Marquise Beeson, the hometown cornerback with the pick six to get them on the board. So is it still over? <laughs> Brian, well, last time you had a commit to Illinois at the opening. How hot he's been. That's impressive. So here we are at the opening. 25 to 6, booming over team hype. Back in at quarterback as Leah Tagovailoa takes a shot for two points. Incomplete broken up. And welcome to the booth, Joey Roberts, director of scouting at the Elite 11. Been on this staff for over eight years. Joey, you've been on the regional tour with the entire student sports staff, watching every quarterback. You meet with all of them. You ask them all similar questions. What do you try to learn when you meet a young man for the first time in a high-stakes, high-pressure environment? Well, Yogs, when we go to the regionals, we travel the country, over 12 regionals, over 600 quarterbacks. It does come down to the tape, does come down to the productivity and all the accolades that come with it, but it really comes down to the way they're wired and really the intangibles we try to get a gauge on. That's Matt James, Ryan Suff, myself, and all the coaches on the ground floor to really see that talent sets the floor, but grit and their overall perseverance and intangibles sets the ceiling. And that's a great quote. You had a chance earlier this week, as all of us have, to present to the quarterbacks. Every night we'll meet, keep them up late, and try to just pour everything that the Elite 11 staff and the opening staff has into them. You talked about Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You showed them a clip that we'll make sure we put on the Elite 11 Twitter handle. Check it out on the YouTube channel as well of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. What was the premise behind showing them video of Brett Favre, Joe Montana, and Jim Kelly? It was perspective. And all these kids, they raise their hand and they say, I want to be an NFL quarterback. And when you ask them, do you want to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, all of them raise their hand. Now, what they don't know is that 880 quarterbacks since 1920 have attempted to pass in the NFL. So that's already 1%. Wow. 23 quarterbacks have made the Hall of Fame. So those three quarterbacks, you talk about Brett Favre, who had one offer coming out of uh, high school. Then you have Joe Montana, who talked about being a seven-string quarterback in college. And then Joe, uh, Jim Kelly was told that he couldn't play again because of his shoulder. So his perspective that as these guys go on their journey, they're at the height right now, and that they can continue going, that they're going to hit adversity, and they have to keep pushing through. Uh, they're, going to be, they're recruited. Everyone loves them, but they're going to be de-recruited once they get into college. And they're going to have to work their way up the depth chart and ultimately take a team and win. Powerful stats, as we continue to see a powerful wide on George Pickens make play after play. His catch radius is insane. At Hoover, Alabama, know that high school, a lot of talented players come out of that program, love their coaching staff and what he does. But I think, Joe, to your point, only 880 quarterbacks have attempted a pass in the NFL. That's, that's crazy. Um, and I think for us as a staff, 24 quarterbacks make the Elite 11, 12 here. Every one of them may not attempt to pass in the NFL. And I know with you and Brian and, the, and our entire staff, trying to teach them life beyond the X's and O's is impressive. What have you learned about Bo Nix in terms of a guy who grew up as a coach's son around the game, but developing off the field? As his mom always tells him, quarterbacking is what you do. Quarterbacking is not who you are. He says it's a quote she reminds him of almost daily. Oh man, Bo, Bo has a stronger foundation off the field with his family, with his faith, with football, as anyone we've seen come through the process. He is so wired the right way. We have seen Bo since he was in eighth grade. He started a game as an eighth grader. He has progressed on to win a state championship. When adversity struck, Bo had a lower leg injury, broke his leg, and he only set out four games, ended up coming back and winning a state title. 
So when he's gone through adversity, he's risen to the occasion, but more so it's the person off the field. And when we at Elite 11, it's so much more than stats and it's so much more than accolades. And we have a measurement and a metric called control the controllables. And it, and it really deals with what the staff feels about the kid and how he's wired. How does he assimilate? Does he have presence? How does he treat the support staff? And Bo is top-notch in every single category, and he'll probably come away being rated out as the highest kid that we've seen come through the process. Yeah, in Los Angeles, and over the last eight years, we've had Dr. Michael Gervais, leading high-performance psychologist in all of sport. He works with the Seattle Seahawks, works with dozens of Olympic gold medalists and high performers around the globe. And we sat down with every quarterback. We put him through an NFL combine setting, and the conversation with Bo was, do you want to be the best or your best? And I think for a lot of these young men, as we see incomplete on two-point conversion attempted to Rylan Goaty, they go through that internal debate. Am I the best, according to some service, or the Elite 11, or can I be my best? And it's been fun to watch him process through that, because naturally, they all want to be the dudes and recognized as that. And I think that was the big takeaway I'll, I'll take away from Bo Nix is his team will advance to the championship game here at the opening. It will be that. I think he's begun and is in the process of making that transition of how he processes the hype that is only going to grow after just this first semifinal match. No, and your point is always, who's the, who are the guys that are seeking? Who are the guys that are not content with just being an Elite 11 guy? Who are the guys that want knowledge? And, and I think just by the random draw, he, he's on a great team with Jordan Palmer. And a little thing that people don't know about Jordan is, yes, he was a backup, but when the collective bargaining agreement was up in 2011, he was the guy that rallied the team to do workouts in the private sector. So he was the guy that got Andrew Whitworth to get up and start working out. He was the guy that organized everyone, professional athletes, and going the right direction. So from a knowledge standpoint, it's really second to none when it comes to Jordan. So that's just another guy that Bose had pour into him throughout the process. I love it. And here we are inside four minutes. Brian, I want to come back down on the field to you. The linebacker group on Boomin. To me, is impressive. Owen Papo not here taking a test. He's the first three-time invitee at the opening. But to Gabriel Floyd, Marcel Brooks, what do you notice about this position group down there? Well, Marcel Brooks is a unique athlete. Really plays more safety to this point in his high school career. But just because he keeps growing and his frame so long, he's really now just assuming he's going to end up being a linebacker in college. He's starting to fill out a little bit. So he's almost like a hybrid right now. Look at him run right there and close the <laughs> I mean, that's... That's what a that's what a big time guy if he keeps on the right track and, and keeps adding that muscle when he gets to the college strength and conditioning he's going to be quite a player in college. Yeah, talented. Brooks going to LSU, Floyd going to Texas, and I think college football is changing. Your linebackers got to be more athletic. Teams are playing with only two linebackers a lot of the time, and some of them are more former safeties and they work their way down into the box and. I'm so blown away every year that the defensive players keep getting bigger and faster. Another play right there. That's to Gabriel Floyd, closing speed again. Joey, we're looking at Dylan Morris, committed to the University of Washington, committed early in the process over a year ago. This is a guy who gets injured his junior year, has to teach himself how to walk again because of his injury. When you got to know him, how are you trying to tap into his psyche to see if he's got that grit, the things necessary to be able to compete on the world stage of high school football? So highly decorated, uh, coming out of the state of Washington, committed to the University of Washington, and, he, and you really hear him articulate the process of learning how to walk again, learning how to take a drop again. And you see the adversity, Gene, that he has and he's gone through, and he's unfazed by it. And he assimilated into this whole process organically. And really, it's been seamless for Dylan. Everyone has really gravitated towards him. He has an energetic personality. So this is all the intangibles that you know when it comes to setting his ceiling, it's through the roof because you can measure him from a height, weight standpoint, it's not that impressive. You can measure him from a athletic trait standpoint, it's not that impressive. But when it's something in his soul, when it's something above the neck, he's top notch. And he, uh, an NFL comparable, we talked about it with the NFL Network, was a guy like Case Keenum. Mm. A guy like Case Keenum that's going to go through diversity. He's going to always be told he's not good enough. But when push comes to shove, he's the guy that you're taking because you know you can trust him. Perfect fit for Chris Peterson and University of Washington. News on the outdoor field, where it's a little bit warmer than here in the air conditioning, is that Overdrive has won. That means they will play in the next semi-final game. 
That team at quarterback is led by Spencer Rattler, a front runner for the MVP race coming out of Los Angeles. Started off the week extremely well. Struggled a little bit yesterday in seven on seven in the Jamboree. Brian Maurer, we'll see if he gets any playing time at the quarterback position as well. And it's kind of Team Oklahoma. When you look at these guys, Brian, give a little preview of Overdrive when they'll be making their way over here for the second semifinal game. Yeah, they've got a really complete receiver core if you talk about their offense. Austin Stogner out of Prestonwood, uh, Christian here in the Dallas area, committed to Oklahoma, might be the best tight end in the event. Huge frame, really polished route runner. And then they've got a trio of receivers that are also going to Oklahoma. All Texas kids, Theo Wees from Allen High School, uh, the big body, kind of typical X. R.J. Henderson, who's a burner from down in the Houston area. And then Trajan Bridges is the smooth kind of combo guy who's probably more your 6-1-Z. Um, he's been really cutting up. He had five touchdowns touchdowns yesterday in Jamboree play. I love it. Well, speaking of a guy who can cut it up and throw a lot of touchdowns, there's Andy Dalton down on the field, running the 35, talking to Trent Dilfer. This is a final. Booming, 31, hype, six. There's Andy. What a great guy. What a great example he is, Joey, for these quarterbacks, and really everyone here at the opening. No, I love Andy coming back. He's giving back his knowledge to, to the quarterbacks. And you look at the trajectory of what these kids have been around from Andy Dalton to Deshaun Watson to Jared Goff to DeMarcus Ware to Willie McGinnis. We try to put as many guys that have done it in the league in front of them so they can pick and choose what they want to take, what's sticky, and ultimately apply it to their game. Andy Dalton, a star among stars. Now we've got one final side of the bracket is set. Bo Nix, who's pretty much taken almost every single rep in seven on seven. For Team Boomer, that's Jordan Palmer and that entire staff. Chris Gizzy on the defensive side. A talented staff, a talented team. In the running, that's Bo Nix for the MVP, all wired up for sound. There's his head coach, or offensive coordinator, Jordan Palmer. And this is the opening. One semifinal is set and complete another one is about to begin we're going to say goodbye bring it right back in a few minutes for that second semi-final for trent dilfer brian stump joey roberts i'm yogi roth this is the opening here in football heaven at the star in frisco cowboys facility the stars are showing out we'll be back with the next semi-final here on youtube the nfl channel